From our makeshift studio in the basement in New Jersey, it's another edition of Before the Buzzer, quarantined edition as we roll on here. Hello, everyone. Nick Hudak. And no, it's not Rocco. It's not Joe. It's not Jack. And it's not Matt. We have another Matt, a fan of the show, Matt Bruton, who's on Zoom with us right now, and Jacob Kronberg, another fan of Before the Buzzer. They're filling in for everyone else. How are you guys doing? It's good to be here. Glad uh, took me as a uh, healthy substitute and hope everyone's staying safe, you know. I'm glad to make my second appearance on Before the Buzzer and my third on WVLF. That's right. Yeah, Matt, you made a previous appearance as well, I think a couple years ago. Yeah, sure. this is my second time co-hosting. Uh, first time was actually up in Fairfield. That was a good time. That's right, sophomore year. I remember that was our first semester on the air too. All the time, it's great. And we have a lot to talk about. I know we've talked about a little bit of baseball in the previous episodes, and now you can listen to our podcast on Spotify before the buzzer. A lot of baseball talk, and I think we'll start out with the proposed season. And guys, let's pray that the season is coming up soon because I cannot wait for sports to come back. And apparently. According to CBSSports.com, there's talk about an 80 or so games uh, beginning in early July. Teams would only face division rivals in the same geographic division in the other league to keep games regional. So, again, regional divisions. Teams would open the season in as many home parks as possible. So, obviously, it's still up in question if the Mets or Yankees or even Boston, which has been hard hit by the coronavirus, will open at home. An expanded postseason format that would send seven teams to the playoffs in each league. I believe that was going to happen either way. They were going to add a two rounds of wild card. Right, yeah. And I listen, the, the more expanded playoffs, the better, in my opinion. I like it. And then uh, one more source was that the DH will be used universally. I am a big fan of that. We'll dive into that with more of that talk. Oh, that's a bad take. That's a bad take. All right, I want to hear your take, take. then. You so, want to see it I think Indigard dingers. <laughs> I just think it's completely unnecessary. The pitcher can hit. They've proved like there are pitchers who can hit. If you can't learn how to, you're a professional baseball player. And Nick, the greatest uh, sporting event in recent history when the occurred <laughs> the DH was in the National League. But so it never happens. I mean, you got to think about that. My thing is, why is that even a conversation going into this? That is completely irrelevant and unnecessary in order to get a baseball season played right now. Well, listen, you two are Met fans, like myself. We all are, yeah. <laughs> and we, I would be in favor of the DH because we have a team, honestly, that's structured for a DH. We could just put Cespedes or Cano in there, and there you go. Yeah. I, the other our team is designed for it. Their pitchers can't hit. Our pitchers can hit on the Mets. Okay, but it's not like they're hitting three 350 on the year. It's not like insane. You don't know what Jake DeGrom has up his sleeve this season. He's got to step it up after the two Cy Youngs. That's also true. Yeah. But going back to the shortened season, I like obviously 
I think that's a good idea here because there's just no way you can get 162 games in starting when you're going to have to start. So instead of just being like, we're going to play and then all of a sudden the season stops, give it a set time. I think if baseball were to start around July 4th weekend, that'd be super the patriotism, the patriotism behind it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's kind of the starting point you're looking at. If you're major league baseball, they've talked about sending guys to spring training number two in June, they quarantine for two weeks. Then they go kind of get warm, get their feet wet for two, three weeks. And then you can kick off the season. Yeah, and I think that's optimal. You got to have them have some sort of spring training too, like you said. I mean, like yeah, baseball, you need a couple weeks under your belt before you start playing. Normal. Wait, Nick, going back to what you said with the division, so the AL and NL East would be in one big division. You know, it's so. not just it's not just like that. It's completely geographic because the divisions now aren't quite like that. So, oh, so it's geographical. So the, right, it would be regional. Yeah. The the Eastern Division is losing. The Atlanta Braves, which would normally be in the I'm NFL. okay with that. Yeah, get rid of the Braves. I'm okay with that. Get get rid of the Braves, and they're gaining the Pirates. I think <laughs> yeah, that's really the only switch there. Well, wait. Well, I've seen things it, thrown out where the Yankees would be in the same division as the Mets, right? That would they would that would be the case. Yeah, I believe the Eastern Division has Tampa, Miami, both New York teams, Boston, Philly. Baltimore, Washington, and Pittsburgh is the 10. So the only switch is Atlanta for Pittsburgh, where if you're anyone in that division who's got a chance at the playoffs going into the year, you'd much rather see the Pirates and their $40 million payroll 16 times than the Atlanta right. Braves who are going to win 90 games <laughs> if we had a full season. So those teams only play each other in the division? They don't play anyone else out of that division? I think that's the proposal. Right. Okay. So there's no, like, interleague play, per se? No, and then you'll have representatives from each of those three who make the so again ken rosenthal and cbs sports are saying that teams would only face division rivals in the same geographic division in the other league to keep games regional so again that's probably limiting the travel with everything going on with the pandemic it's probably so able to keep it regional That'd be fun. well so there's probably going to be five somehow some way five al and five nl in each team and you're you have your NL record and then your AL record at the end of the year. It's just going to be an equal amount of games. I, Look, it's, it, I like it just because I think we all need baseball back. We all need sports back. And baseball is the most optimal to come back soonest mm-hmm. just because there is not as much contact. You have the big stadiums. It's outdoors. You can kind of make it happen. Well, I've been, I, I said be this really good for the sport of baseball. Right. And I've said this on previous episodes, ba- baseball, major league baseball, particularly has a very big opportunity to get themselves back into relevance with the big four sports. They've been sliding for the past, let's say at least decade, right. In terms of attendance yeah. and just overall interest, if they shake things up with their proposed rules, and these are permanent rules, not everything I'm saying, but if they revolutionize the game, like maybe a universal DH or maybe regional divisions. Maybe that will spark some interest again. So well, they I haven't don't even think it's that. Then what I is think it? It's then? as simple as being the first sport back. Every right, sports yeah. fan is going to watch that sport, and you have a chance to get new fans and more diehard fans because people are going to watch. They're going to be into it. And who knows how long baseball could be? It could be only baseball until October. July, August, mm-hmm. September, like three months where the only thing you can watch is baseball. That's taken off. 
And I mean, that's baseball in Korea. And people are watching that. So imagine baseball in America. I well, mean, I mean, Aaron Altair was a stud. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, he hit that big home run I remember last year for the Mets. So one of them didn't get a hit ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <But> then, <laughs> his, then his team batted around last night, and he was the only guy who got out. <laughs> I'm a big uh, KBO Tigers fan. You and everybody else who's watched the KBO. Yeah. No, that's all it's I see on Twitter. <laughs> With their mascot, Swole Daddy. That's his real name. <laughs> well, I'm glad the Korean Baseball League can keep us occupied during this very uneventful time I from think, home. Yeah, baseball will be the first sport back. I, I think, I think like Jake said, imagine a July 4th comeback. I mean, that's a big event anyway, baseball on July 4th. Imagine that's opening day. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, long term, I think one of the big problems is they got to fix the wild card game. I am not a fan of that. You play three-game series all season long, three or four games, Mm-hmm. And you can't have some, especially in the playoffs where baseball is a series sport, you can't have something come down to one game. That's just not how baseball is. But yeah. game seven's essentially one game when you get to well, that. Yeah, but yeah, but there's yeah, six games I, before I, I, game you seven. got to game seven. Yeah. It's not like it's automatically game seven. You know, you have to work towards that. I mean. Yeah, maybe it should be best of three. That's a good idea, Matt. I like that. But the only other thing is one with pitching. It's tough because you know you don't you want to burn one day off until the next series. And you got your four guy going up against the ace in the DS. That's not ideal. But also, too, the extended rest time. Sometimes the batters could get cold. If so, there's a lot of things you got to take into it. It's not just easy as saying, "Oh, we'll just play a best of three. You do one, one, and one. You just play the whole series at the home team's stadium. It would be one, of- one, and one. I think if you had to go to that proposal, how do you convince? A team to, like, you're the second wild card. Potentially, everyone has that chance in the hypothetical world. But you're like, all right, yeah, you're going to make this. You're going to make the playoffs as a wild card team. You're going to play three games, but they're you're Oakland, and they're all going to be in Boston. <laughs> yeah, I think what they should do is just get rid of divisions and make it like conference play, and then. Are you talking more like the NBA? I don't want, like, more than 50% of the teams making the playoffs. I've never been a fan of that. Making the playoffs should be a reward. You know, you shouldn't have the Cavs, you know, or whoever. Like, the Magic last year, they were, like, what, seven games under, and they made the playoffs as, like, the seventh seed or something. Well, that was going to happen this year, too. Yeah, I'm saying there there should be no situation where a team with a losing record should make the playoffs. I just think that just goes to show that too many teams make the playoffs. By the way, uh, we have... Some input from our Before the Buzzer hotline, the infamous hotline. Uh, I would like to thank Mike. Uh, he said, that's a hot take, Nick. There are six games before game seven. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I know that's a very hot take. <laughs> but anyway. So we talked about this proposal for baseball. I want to switch it to a baseball event that we know is going to happen. That's the MLB draft. And there's been some shakeup to the way the MLB drafts going to operate this year. It's still going to be on June 10th, but instead of 40 rounds, we have five. There are going to be five rounds in the MLB draft this year, and there's going to be a lot of money changes in the way bonuses work. These teams are now going to take their bonuses that would normally be allotted over the first 10 rounds, which last year was about $10 million a team. They now can divide that any way they want in the first five rounds. 
Mm-hmm. So slot value kind of goes out the window. So those guys are still getting paid. If you're a top 160 player and coming in to this draft college or the high school level, you're getting your money. But it's the guys 6 through 10 and beyond where you can sign as many players as you want if you're an MLB team, when the draft ends. But you can only give them at max a $20,000 signing bonus. Last mm. year, an average six-round player made about 200000 on their signing bonus. Mm. Do you guys like this? I can't imagine a lot of people like this, but what's your thought on that? Well, I think personally I do like the old format. Like you said, I think this is going to – and I think Matt's going to agree with me. I think this is going to drive a lot more talent back to college. Yeah. You would think, right? Right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And especially now with um, a lot of college players say, you know, let's say an upperclassman who is granted a, you know, another year of eligibility because of this, say, you know, if they weren't in the past, they might settle for a lower pick, you know, obviously because it's their last year of eligibility. But now, you know, that extra year, they have the option. And if they're not satisfied of where they get picked or if they don't get picked now, they can just go back to college and get their stock back up too. So but you've got to look at it. When a for a college baseball player, your junior to senior year is a big difference because after your senior year, the only option is to go pro or go work in an office somewhere. Seniors do not get drafted. That's like not really a thing. These guys just get signed for little to no money. You could think of last year the Mets were on that sense. They selected Jake Magnum from Mississippi State, I believe it was. He was all SEC. He was a 300-plus hitter. Most hits in the SEC that year, and he signed for $20,000 because you can you don't have to pick them if you're a major league team. So they're kind of screwed either way in this situation. Yeah. It leverages a high school player to maybe get more of that slot value in the first couple of rounds. But then, could, like, could you pick a high school player in the draft this year if you're an MLB GM? I wouldn't unless you're like a sure, you know, sure suit of talent where, you know, everyone unless Harper type coming out. Or, I was going to say, unless he's the equivalent of LeBron James in baseball, I would not take him. Well, I, I still think you'll see a, a good handful of high school guys. I know off the top of my head, there's a lot that are decent amount that should go in the first round. And as a high school kid, I mean, you'll probably take that. First round. I mean, you're going to take the money as a high schooler, but if you're a GM, you're now picking, you're potentially drafting someone that you haven't seen play live since they were 16, 17 years old. There's a big difference between that and then someone who has played three years in the SEC and is 21. You feel a lot yeah, more risky. I, I think it's going to be, you know, a handful of GMs are going to go that route because, again, like you said, it's a big risk. You know, first round pick, that's supposed to be your next superstar wherever that may be but you got to look at the tools they have and you know i i would agree with that what as long as they're you know they feel as though they're sure suited to be you know that next big star they'll take them as a high schooler if not they might let them fall or might let them go to school and matt brings up a good point because are gms going to want to take that risk on a high school player in an early round when your job may be on the line i don't know that's something i guess we'll There's find out one there's one high school player projected in the top 10 right now. That's Zach Veen from Florida. He's an outfielder. But other than that, the rest of the top 10 are established college guys. You got Nick Bitsko from uh, CB East in uh, Pennsylvania. My good buddy from school went there. Um, 
he's a sure he's a two way player, pitcher and hitter. He'll probably be a top 15 pick as well. I don't know, top 20. Yeah, he is 14th on this list, and he's 17 years old, though. I don't know because I never actually played high school baseball and am not getting scouted by major league scouts. Like, Do you even have a defined position by then? That's the thing because no. the uncertainty Everybody's is... Everybody's a shortstop or a pitcher. Right. If you're so, good enough to play in the pros, if you were right-handed, you were your team's shortstop or maybe center fielder. Mm-hmm. And if you were lefty, you played first and pitched. And there you go. That just adds more risk in the pick. So I don't know if a GM is going to want to take that risk in a five-round draft. Who who knows? I think it's a big risk. There is a chance that this draft makes some history, though. There's never been a draft where I believe the first six picks were all college guys. And that could very that well happen. projected to be right now? Right now, it would be. Zach Veen is seventh. Right now, the top six. And it'd be pretty hard to break into this. You've got Spencer Torkelson from Arizona State, broke Barry Bonds' home run record there, three-time All-American. He's a stud stud. He's the first or second pick, no doubt. And then you have Austin Martin from Vanderbilt, who helped lead them to a natty a year ago. Yeah, Kumar Rocker, is he up well, there? Kumar is not draft eligible this year. Oh, he's not. He'll be next year along with his rotation mate, Jack Leiter. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some couple of pitchers. You've got Emerson Hancock, a righty who throws 97 miles an hour from Georgia, and then Asa Lacey, a lefty. You've got Nick Gonzalez, who was MVP of the Cape Cod Baseball League last year, five. And then Garrett Mitchell, an all-pack 12 player at six. You've got six really good guys at the top of this draft, and I think it'd be really tough for a, another college player or a high school player to crack into that, especially when you're not seeing anybody play right now. Mm-hmm. How do you improve your stock? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I remember watching Emerson pitch against Clemson uh, last year. He's uh, he's the real he's, deal. I'll tell you firsthand, he's got he's got all the fire tools to uh, make a good pitcher. I mean, he's he's 20 year old. He's six four, big right handed pitcher. He throws hard. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who was drafted out of high school too, and then decided to go to Georgia. I think he's, in my opinion, if I'm if I'm an MLB GM and I have the third pick in this draft, I'm taking him over Ace or over Ace Lacy. I think he's got more builds. He's had some hype over him for a little bit. Lacy kind of came onto the running and came into the mix this season. That only had what three weeks of baseball. You're a starting pitcher. What do you make? Four starts, five starts. I think you go Torkelson one, Martin two, and Hancock three. After that, you can mix it up, but. It all goes to show. I mean, those guys who fall, it, it all goes to show, too, if any of those top high school talents fall in there or not, or if they they take the college route, you know, the safer option. You've seen them play for three years at the largest sample size, level. yeah. Well, and then you saw them play for three weeks this year at least. Mm-hmm. That, too, yeah. These high school guys have not taken a school-level at-bat. I'm sure, they played travel last summer, but a school-level at-bat since May of last year is when high school baseball ends. Mm-hmm. May of 2019 is when you're picking a guy. He's most, you're drafting a guy in the first five, ten picks. You expect him to be a cornerstone player for you for for a long time to come. I don't think I can ever draft a 17-year-old to do that, but especially if they have not played in so long. There's not showcases happening. There's not a summer league happening. Well, the last game, hypothetically, they probably played. There's probably some sort of fall league, I would think, right? Yeah, and I'm sure they were at showcases all fall, but it's still – there's a difference between a showcase and playing a game. game. yeah. 
at a lot of those things. And I think the college level, these guys are really good. Like you, you can look at their numbers. They played a full spring last year. They played likely every hitter played in a summer league of some sorts, whether it was the CCBL, the NECBL, the NYCBL, the coastal point, like there's so many. Mm-hmm. And then they had a couple at bat, 80, hundred at bats in the spring. You've got a little something there, but I still think you're even take there's a risk on everyone because you didn't get a full season of evaluation leading up to this draft. Usually the season ends and the draft was going to be in Omaha mm-hmm. during the college world series. So the season's coming to an end. Yeah. There was going to be this whole big event and uh, something I was really looking forward to. And now it's just, we're going to get five rounds on MLB.com and see which high schooler you're going to put your job on the line for. You know what? I have a solution for those undrafted rookies. Send them to the Rockland Boulders. <laughs> <laughs> a little independent league send, action. Send them to the Can-Am League. Actually, They're joining the Sugarland Skeeters. They, They're going to be affiliated uh, soon. I don't care about that, Nick. The Boulders are now part of the Frontier League. Yes, yeah. that's right. It's now one league, right? The Can-Am and Frontier League combined. And yes, what was that? Yes. The Sugarland Skeeters are affiliated now? So the Sugarland Skeeters are expected to be affiliated with the new minor league stuff. They're wiping out 42 minor league teams. Right, yeah, yeah. With the new alignment. So that moves you from 120 to then 78. So you have to add two more teams. And there's talks that the Skeeters are going to move from independent to obviously the roster gets wiped. Mm-hmm. They then take the players from the affiliated organization. But now I'm a couple like, years Binghamton, out. Go ahead. There's a chance Binghamton's gone. We're, met, we're, we're all Mets guys. Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Kaputs. Uh, the Rumble Ponies, no. What's going to happen to Tebow? Well, he's in AAA now, right? Well, he, he's up in Syracuse yeah. with me, and he shouldn't be. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. So here's another thing with the league proposal is that there's going to be no minor league system, most likely, in a shortened season. and that they you have were to just, run a taxi squad. Right, and they would just expand the season. And uh, Bill and I were joking yesterday if Tebow – was going to make that expanded roster. <laughs> it's possible. Who knows? He should not. <laughs> I, I watch a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. Last season, he was up in Syracuse at the end of last year. He's not a AAA outfielder, let alone on a 40-man major league taxi squad roster. I, I, he'd strike out half the time at the major league level at least. Well, you know, the only reason why he would make the major leagues at this point is – to fill the seats, but you can't even fill the seats this year anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> well, it's yeah, looking it's like that. a marketing ploy to get fans to come. That's, I mean, my dad, we always joked about it. It's like the Mets, you know, 30 games out in September, you know, bring them up, let them play, get the fans there. But other than that, that is, I don't see any. That is such a mockery to the, some of these minor leaguers, though. No, it is. I agree. I agree. But, I mean, it will get the fans there. I mean, I'd probably go see them. There were games I went to with the Syracuse Mets. Where we were, we showed up and we were like, oh, let's just go watch Tebow tonight. First time we did it, actually, we showed up and then half an hour before the game, they're like, Tebow scratched from the lineup. And we were like, oh, we wasted 12 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> there was a recent, a uh, couple years back when he was down in single A, uh, Columbia, I don't know if the Columbia Fireflies, South Carolina, the Mets affiliate. Yeah. And a lot of people went there to, you know, Bible Belt, big religious town folk down there. They all loved him. They filled the stands there in South Carolina, so I mean, definitely gets people there. But I know I agree. I mean, he shouldn't be. I mean, it's okay to let him, you know, live his dream playing baseball, but he shouldn't be. He should not. Well, be. Here's the thing: he is good. He was. He's a good baseball player, of course, to the general person. And I think he was more than adequate at the Double A level in Binghamton. 
but he's a two twenty hitter at AAA. Yeah, and that's not it's not good. It's not major league material. <laughs> Although the major league average is only two forty seven, but but that's against major league pitching. Like Hitting safe that outstanding fielder either. No. So unless Tim, you were that, the quarterback. Uh, rule like he wants, Tebow is going to have to work on his outfield skills or first base. Well, Tim, Tim, you were a really good quarterback. <laughs> Not so much as a baseball player. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, what's up? Bill what's from Mawa, how are you? Good. Bill from upstairs? What are you guys talking about Tebow for? <laughs> Who cares? What's he going to do? Yeah, you never know. He, we, we were joking about how he may make the expanded roster, that's why. No, 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 I think there's no shot. <laughs> so what, you have a question for us, Bill? I don't have a question, but there's no question limit for me. But it's this rumor <laughs> I heard tonight about to ask a question and get off the line. <laughs> <laughs> there's no stopping I, I, Bill. I, I, I don't know who's making these rules up. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I tried to silence Bill today, Jacob. Yeah, I'm more than happy to take a question from Bill. I know. <laughs> or two. Don't limit it to one, though. Let him ask as many as he wants. Yeah, you know, this isn't Syracuse Radio, one question and off. You know, if I want to ask five questions, I'll ask. <laughs> All right, so go ahead. My, fir- my first question is, what the hell you're doing on this show? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Talk sports? <laughs> Talk sports to a T-Bow. Who cares about T-Bow? To be fair, I'm pretty sure I brought it up, so... Holy cow. It was a joke. <laughs> he is a joke. Nice. <laughs> so you've called to yell at me, but agree with my point. <laughs> he, he's saying Kibo should not be in the MLB. Right, what are you guys talking about? Well, <laughs> anyway, now back to the series. <laughs> Um, we were talking about the proposed 80-game season. Yeah, I like it. That means every game means something. Do you think the universal DH is a good idea? Jacob disagrees, and Matt, do do you agree or no? I didn't get your point. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't. For the, for the 80-game season, you're going to have to play. If they're they're playing each other, you're going to have to use a DH. Right. Universal DH. I I actually enjoy the pitchers batting, but I. I would just like one consistent rule for both legs. Either you have it or you don't have it. I mean, you think it, you look at it in the World Series, right? They switch on and off. You know, back, it's team strategies. You have to decide who you're going to play, who you're going to sit. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I there's, there's, there's a lot more strategy in the National League ball. It's a disadvantage to an American League team in the World Series. Yeah, for sure. Because for, for the most part, a DH is, you know, a, a vital part to their lineup. And they end up having to move people around to bat the pitcher who doesn't bat all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would just this. like it universal either way. Either you have it or you don't. You, I, I don't like the split leagues having different rules and then coming to the World Series and playing by different standards. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a stubborn National League being conservative. Uh, I think eventually they'll switch over. And then oh, I think it's definitely going to happen. They'll eventually... Let's, which, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it for a year, but I mean, I, I like seeing Degrom and Syndergaard get up. It's a good maybe. For oh, it's great! It's the greatest thing. They come up with a big hit or they hit a home run. It's great. 
I mean, look at a couple of years ago, Bartolo Balone, Big Sexy. Yeah, that's what I was Big Sexy. Oh, man. I was saying that earlier. That that uh, staple in Mets history would have never it, happened. It provides some excitement, but it's so very far in between. You know, I I would like to see a DH. So do you, is then bunting basically eliminated from the game? Small ball? No. Is some of that going? Well, I mean, look at the American League. Does anyone ever bunt in the AL? I, I don't think so. Not, not that much. I right? think once you... Yeah, first, second, nobody out. If you I mean, eliminate very... the DH for this 80-game season, the DH is then gone. You can't just be like, we're going to do it for this shortened year and then bring bring it back, yeah. Bring back pitchers hitting that shit. Well, it's more logical to just add the DH to the in that in that case. That's what I mean. If yeah. you add the DH, pitchers hitting is over after this, like, for good. And, and it could be a bargaining chip that the, the union has now, especially if to, it's, since they're asking all these players to take pay cuts. Right, and we were so, going to bring that up for 2021. That's it's going to be a bargaining chip for them to use, saying you know they lost so much money, the players lost so much money with this, and you know they had to you know, give up part of their salary. One of the things they want to do is they want to you know add the DH or expand the rosters to get more people, more players, more money there. Well, Bill, you mentioned those like we talked about pay cuts and all that for the bargaining chip. The pay cuts are going to. And the format of paying is going to affect the guys in the draft this year, too, because nobody's really getting paid. They're making them take deferred payments. So you only get 10% of your signing bonus actually when you sign for the 2021 right. or the 2020 draft. Then you get 45% of it next July and then 45% of it in July of 2022. So deferred payments are starting very early. Well, they've they got to come up with creative ways to, uh, you know, to, to, to sign these guys. Especially into you know what's what's going on now the the you know the loss in in revenue for this year. Now, Bill, I know you wanted us to move up this time to eight o'clock for one specific reason was because of the Jordan documentary. Absolutely. And I think we could talk a little bit about that, right? Your reaction so far. I'm finally caught up, and let me tell you, after watching. Everything that's happened with Jordan, and I, and we can go around after this. I don't think I could ever live a week in his life. I think he mentioned some something in one of his interviews. Oh, you you don't know what the life is like in, with Michael Jordan for an entire year. That guy had no space for himself. I give him a lot of credit. Well, it's like Le- LeBron. It's like LeBron today. today. Yeah, it's the same thing. Or any well-known global star is going to be like that. Hey, it's the price you pay for fame to lose your privacy. And yeah, there's some obvious questions about Jordan's gambling and everything like that, which was touched upon in the last series of episodes. But, you know, he, he had a good explanation that he's still putting, you know, food on the table for his family and everything like that. And, you know, I he's have gambling. No issues with him gambling. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, personally, it wasn't. Like he was broke, you know. He wasn't going out and spending all of his money. Obviously, he's like this is a touchy subject, but he's gambling. Basically, his ten thousand dollars is ten dollars to us. Yeah, yeah. So not even. It's like a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It, and then part of me just thinks it's the media trying to take down a superstar who's the most famous in the world. I don't know. Uh, but we'll never know. It, it, just, we'll never know it just goes to show the kind of kind of character he is. Is that everything to him is competitive? Mm-hmm. 
you know, he's gambling when he's playing golf. He's putting a large, you know, a large sum of money to, to us. But, you know, to him, it's not a large sum of money. But, you know, it's just an extra incentive for him. It's just, you know, it's what he uses to motivate him. Mm -hmm. Jacob, what do you think? Well, I'm again, I just have no issue with him gambling. I'm also one of those big Pete Rose. I'm a very active Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame guy when it comes to his gambling and baseball. And he, I guess, in theory, broke a rule. Jordan, mm -hmm. like if Jordan wanted to go out and throw fifty thousand dollars on a round of golf with one of his buddies, but he was still, like he said, providing for his family, and he was still going out there dropping thirty-five points a game. Yeah, relax. Why are you getting on his back about it? Go, go do what you want to do. If people are going to promote it and put it in a negative light, that's one thing. But he, he's, it wasn't a big sum of money to him. That was. In the weirdest way for us, that was pocket change. Yeah. That was like you pulling a $50 bill out of your pocket if you were a working-class citizen. Obviously, we're college students. We don't have a $50 oh. bill in our pocket. But <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Joe Gamble, I think the doc has been phenomenal. Don't know if that's part because I haven't seen anything live relevant to sports in a long time or part because it's actually awesome. No, I think it's actually awesome. It, it is, I, I agree. It is unbelievable to get an inside look into that locker room in the last year. Like they and, and, I, and I think it just shows the difference between yesterday's players and today's players. I mean, There's there he was driven. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to win. There's no time management games off and things like that. <laughs> Here the guy was fighting to get in when he was a rookie, when he was hurt, to get back in the game when he was livid, when he was limited to seven minutes. Uh, no time management. Uh, Dennis Rodman it's, it's went from competitiveness in him. And I think today's athletes, I, I just think they're, they're treated like prim, prima donnas, they're spoiled. And I don't think they have that same passion as as you know players had in the past jacob he, he's meaning uh load management load management Once again, dennis rodman just today. left and went to vegas <laughs> he's like coach i need some time you have 48 hours all right dennis rodman's gone for two weeks <laughs> somewhere in vegas we need a we need a doc on that what did dennis rodman do in vegas uh, i don't think we want to know <laughs> and and how and how did you get away with sending michael jordan the most famous person in the world to go just pick him up from a hotel room in Vegas. Yeah. Imagine they sent LeBron to go get, like, Iman Shumpert from Vegas. Like, that's just not happening. Well, it would be yeah. J.R. Smith probably, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> Matt, what's your thoughts on the – wild on the Henny. Right. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't drink the Henny. They, they interviewed him or something. Yeah, that's what he said. I refuse to believe that. I refuse <laughs> to believe that. No, I, I don't believe it either. But my, my – I may it, it may be true, but I refuse to believe it. It's just part of the story at this point. J.R. and right. Hennessy are synonymous. Absolutely. I agree. Matt, what are your thoughts on this doc? Oh, it's great. Um, I think I'm a little behind, but I think I'm like one or two episodes behind. But anyway, I don't, I don't have any problem with them gambling. You know, I don't care if you bet on yourself. I mean, obviously, if you're betting on yourself to lose or other games, then it gets, you know, obviously you can't do that. But, I mean, obviously it's purely for competitiveness because he has and had, you know, at that time probably enough money that he would ever need in his life you know he'd never need to work again obviously but so that just goes to show the gambling is purely like bill said just because of how competitive he is you know putting extra actual money at stake you know to just keep his competitiveness going just make things more interesting i guess but i mean i don't i don't have a problem with that i just don't see the reason why he needed to do it I mean, I believe the competitive aspect of it, but I, I also wouldn't shy away. Some people just like to gamble, too. 
there's a thrill, there's a drive to it. And obviously Jordan threw that competitiveness in there because he wants to win the bet, but so does everybody. I don't know anyone who's placed a bet. It's like, I, I want to lose this 10 grand right here. Right. And the documentary is portraying him as, you know, he was even very competitive in terms of card games where he would even go down to play cards with Paxson that they said were going with, what, $1 buy-ins and everything like that, yeah. and he was still going. All right, Bill, we have another caller on the line. So it was great talking to you. Just, you there's got no limit to my questions, questions Bill. All right, Bill. All right. You got your multiple <laughs> questions, Bill. All right, and now we have Mike from Slotesburg on the line. Mike, how are you? Yeah, I was traded to uh, another location. Um, <laughs> I'm going to... The main reason I wanted to call in is because I have a much different take than all of you guys do about the, the doc, and Jacob knows because he's heard me say it. Okay. I think that doc is badly in need of an editor. It's really? It's all okay. over the place. It's all over the place. To me, if and I said this to Jacob too, if they gave it a different title, maybe I wouldn't feel that way. But to call it the last dance and all this stuff about it being the last year, how much time are they spending on the last year? All the other stuff is interesting, but it's not even like it's a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's all over the place. And some of the stuff is good and some of it's really interesting, but it's also like, how do you let a major subject of your documentary be the one who's controlling what you show in your documentary? That's true. And I think, I, this is just a guess, obviously, but I think as we get later into the series, and maybe even tonight and next week, it may focus more on the actual last dance. But you actually bring up a good point because I, I was sitting there watching it the other day. And I'm like, why are we jumping back and forth every episode if it's called the last dance? That, that is a good point. I'll give you that one. And, and granted, it's a great time for it to be released. And they're so smart because there is nothing out there and people don't care. But I don't know. Maybe Bill will connect this because we're from that generation where everybody still all of a sudden started releasing box sets mm-hmm. and just anything that was any kind of cut anywhere that was a demo or something, people just released it because it was the work of something. And I think that that's sort of it too. Like sometimes if somebody would release a box set and like, you know what? That was in the vaults for a reason. You didn't release that song for a reason. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like that too. It's like, you know, some of that stuff is interesting, but it just kind of smacks all over the place. Yeah. I have and two then remarks. One other point. Well, I know I want to try to follow the rule too of just making my point and getting off. <laughs> Everybody's breaking the rule. That's right. It's all right. I think that, you know, we compare these new guys to Jordan and all this stuff, but these guys are the way they are because of Jordan. Because Jordan was the first to kind of brand himself, he's created now how, you know, 20 years later, this generation of players that are more concerned about their brand. And I think maybe that's part of why, you know, for some of these guys, you lose that competitive edge. They are concerned about branding. And you know what? The NBA is making so much more money now than it was in the 90s that they, I think that's why the load management stuff comes in too. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, at the end of the 80s, they were still just barely getting off. It wasn't that long ago that they were showing their, their playoffs on tape delay. All right, I'm going to hang up and let, listen to you guys talk and maybe text on the hotline. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for the for call. Thanks for my call. Bye. 
right. I have a few remarks regarding that. All right. First off, shout out David Stern for those games not being on tape delay anymore. Big win for him and the NBA. Two, going back to like the jumping around in the name. In my thought, the name is what it is because that was the whole story. If they took the little anecdote of Phil Jackson having a title for each year, they knew it was going to be the last year. He titled that they thought it was creative. And I think they just ran with that. But when you say something's going to, this television series that's going to be on tonight, you and I have talked off the side. What did we say? We said the Jordan Doc's on tonight, not the last dance is on tonight. The way it has been produced and edited has altered how people have referred to and what they are calling. This is not going to be referred to as the last dance ESPN series. It is the Jordan Doc. Mm-hmm. That is what it has become. The way it is edited has changed the name or the referral of the name from the public. So to me, I don't really care that the, the official title doesn't fit it as much right now because the content has me great. And yes, it's jumping around. It's a little daunting to watch sometimes, but I get confused at what year it is sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they could do a little better job establishing some year graphics during footage or during interviews. Mm-hmm. They have the little timeline running back and forth that goes like November of 1988, all the way back to January of 1987, whatever it is. But I still think it's been great. And the name doesn't really bother me because I think the fans and the audience have dictated what this will be referred to. And next week when it's we're deciding what time to do this show, we're going to be eight o'clock again because the Jordan doc is on at nine. Yeah, I think going along with that, the reason they picked that name, like you said, one, it's catchy, and two, I don't. I mean, we're gonna assume we're gonna just say it's a Jordan Doc, regardless. But I don't think they wanted it to be, you know, just the Jordan Doc because, you know, they gave Pippin his own episode, they gave Robin his own episode. I think the goal of this was to just portray the entire last season and then giving the backgrounds of all the, you know, Jordan's upcoming, his rising, Pippin, all the guys. And I think what they're trying to do here is cultivate the entire team and the dynasty they had in the 90s, not just Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's going to be the centerpiece because he's the centerpiece of everything. But I think ESPN was looking for something catchy, chose the last dance. It's pretty catchy. And they wanted, like I said, wanted it to be a whole team, not just Michael Jordan. It's been great. I think we all agree on that. I, th- I think it's hilarious how throughout the entire thing, straight to their face, you've got Jordan and Pippen just making fun of Jerry Krause. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine that today. Yeah, that just goes to show the difference. Stars could get away with talking like that and stuff. I mean, yeah, what my, is he going to do, trade Jordan? Yeah, right? No, they're not. My, my other thing around the whole Jerry Krause situation is, imagine today that you try – the Spurs had that dynasty or whatever it was. Or if you take the Warriors, because they won however many years in a row, three out of five, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the GM of the Warriors, you're going into that last year they had Durant was 2019, 2018, 2019. And preseason, he's like, I think we're going to go in another direction. This will be the last year Steve Kerr is the head coach of this team. <laughs> we like, think he's we've insane. seen how wonky things got when they did it with Phil Jackson. Yeah. And, that was on a different level, but with the media presence today and tw- the Twitter's, it would be a circus. Yeah. If a GM was the one deciding to break up a team that had just won a championship, they broke yeah, up because like they were left. struggling. You know, it's not like they missed the playoffs or you know had an early exit. They literally won the championship. five championships. Yeah. 
theory, you're the best team, so why time. break it up? Yeah. If I'm the GM, I'm going, y'all do your own thing. I'm going to sit back and relax. Once we don't make the playoffs, then I'll get back to my Collect team. that paycheck and be happy. <laughs> Mike, Scotty, Dennis, Phil, do your thing. Win as many as you can. We'll work from there. Well, this is actually a good point because I think of – Obviously, there's a little different circumstances, but as a Cavs fan, I think back to 2010 when LeBron left the first time and Dan Gilbert comes out, the Cavs owner, and basically says, oh, we don't need LeBron. We're going to win a championship before him. And that, <laughs> followed by LeBron reaching the finals that next year and the Cavs losing 26 games in a row, I think that just shows how, yes, it matters. It, the players are what generally drives the organization and they should be the top priority as much as important as the coaches and the gms are they're you know they can't do it by themselves they're not playing the game no exactly so if you guys don't have anything else i got one more thing i want to bring up before we wrap up before the buzzer tonight all right let's hear it we spoke a lot about baseball and about how things are getting i guess things are going to operate there's a college summer league, the San Diego League, and I'm going to share. I believe my screen is shared with you guys on Zoom right now. Mm-hmm. This is their proposal for how they're going to run their league and the positioning of everybody. <laughs> Take a look at that. I just want to. Is this worth it? All right, let me just kind of outline it for the people who can't see. Yes. So, first off, the main thing I see is the home plate umpire is actually not there. He's behind the pitcher. Actually, <laughs> that there's only one, two. There's only two umpires. Two umpires, yeah. So there's one umpire. That's a lot of summer baseball, though. Wait, so would would the – hold on. Would balls and strikes be called by the umpire in the field, or where's the other umpire? Or they have an automated – There's one behind first base, and the other one behind the pitcher, I believe, is going to be calling the balls and strikes. Wow. So then the umpire at first would rotate, I guess, be the field umpire, per se? Yes, they will rotate like you would in in a Little League or high school setting. Okay. But the umpire in the behind, I guess he behind the pitcher is calling the balls and strikes. So. But look at all, and it's not even as much that as look at the positioning of all these other players. They have them in the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even skip to that part yet. So they have. Ima- imagine have- coach. It's the seventh inning, and coach reaches out. You in section three hundred two, go warm up. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is not. Uh, I I am not a fan of this in the even remotely. This is terrible. Well, I don't know. What, what is Major League Baseball going to look like? Is it going to be much different? I, I don't know. No, because those guys are going to be quarantined together, right. so well, yeah. they will be allowed in. Well, oh, so these guys aren't quarantined. In the bottom left corner here, it says in bold: all players and staff members are at least six feet apart. Everyone. I don't Everyone. know how they're doing that with the catcher and the hitter, but. Yeah, that. Yeah, what are you going to do when the player gets on base? You know, the, the catcher's going to have to wear a face mask, probably, like an actual, like a actual oh. mask. So All right, I walk around in those things every day, and I can't breathe. I couldn't play baseball in it. The yeah. so little Johnny's up, gets a single, slaps a single to left, gets on first base, and then the first base coach gives him a mask to put on. Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> you can't, you can't hold runners on, so no stealing. <laughs> yeah, geez, yeah. What is? You Everything's a force out. You can't tag somebody. There's a lot of contact there. I haven't seen anything like it. Nobody's put out a proposal like this, so that's cool. 
That's just nuts to me. I guess it's – I would say it's a start, but, I mean, not, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of this at all. Well, I guys, this is going to be the new normal, so. A lot better ways to go about it than this outline here. What, what else would you propose, Matt? It's tough. I mean, definitely not this. I think you could easily do more than two umpires first off. Just have them. You could have three. That's a – that's a league money thing. Most oh, okay. Remember, this is not professional baseball. This is a middle tier, lower tier summer baseball league. Okay, then if it's purely money wise, and I would understand that. But my big takeaway in general is that summer ball is not happening unless you are a major league team. You have canceled the three top summer leagues in the country in the FGCL the NECBL and the Cape League. And if you don't have trip if you don't have triple A baseball going, how do you t- how do you have a bunch of 20-year-olds playing in San Diego from all across the country, living with host families like it's not going to happen. No. So I think this was just kind of a shot in the dark of a proposal. I think the only way sports can happen is if you have some type of rented out plaza, hotel or town area. And that's why you're seeing the NBA looking to come back in Disney World or Las Vegas. So that's up in the air as well. And MLB, though, they're planning to do it in the home stadiums, apparently. Now, Matt, I, I have one more question for you because I know you were talking about this before. Do you think that there's going to be fans anytime this season? Say by the end of the year. How about when's the next time we yeah, see when's fans the next in the time? Game? That's a good, yeah. It's tough. What, for all sports? I think. Honestly, I think it's going to be sooner than later. They're they're going to limit capacity. Obviously, they won't allow capacity. I think they're going to allow fans scattered, sitting, you know, scattered along the field or whatever in the stands sooner than later. Because one, you got to get some sort of revenue pumping back into sports. The sports industry is just overall they're hurting so bad here. You know, everyone throughout, and I, I think you know. July fourth. I don't. If baseball starts early July, I don't think you'll see fans right away. Maybe yeah. realistically, maybe towards the latter end of the season, towards the playoff push, you get that home crowd advantage, so to speak. You could have fans scattered around when hopefully this keeps declining. Mm-hmm. In the states that are, you know, kind of like New York, I would say probably not for a while, and maybe like some of the other states, like I don't know, South Carolina recently started to open up outdoor seating for restaurants and stuff. So those kind of states that are kind of progressing right now, mm-hmm. I could see it happen more so than not. But I, I think, you know, maybe August, September, you can start seeing people in a public setting. Obviously not, like I said before, not, you know, capacity crowds, but you could see people, you know, scattered across, you know, like fifth, one-fifth or one-sixth capacity. I could see it's very realistic. Right. I think people were throwing out that city field say take as an example if it comes to having fans and it's 20 percent capacity city field would have what eight thousand people probably it'd yeah, be very I mean, spread out gonna, you know it's not going to make that big of a difference but i think psychologically you know players too i mean a baseball player playing in front of forty thousand people every day or not every day or a lot of the time mm-hmm. you know and then playing in front of nobody that's got to be a big difference for them as well yeah yeah 
There's been talk about pumping in crowd noise. Personally, I don't think we see fans in stadiums till the start of the 2021 baseball season. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you because I think... And Wave number two comes as soon as things start to open up, probably right. around August. I'm September. not a doctor, so I, I don't know. But like you're saying, I, I'm afraid of a second wave, and then everything may just have to be shut down again if we allow fans in too early. Yeah, I mean, you guys I'm just... I'm saying, dude, I'm saying, like, you know... What I say, uh, September, October, maybe like towards the later end of the year. I see. It, I think it's possible. Maybe not in like a northeastern state. I don't think we ever see full capacity, and I think seats start to get removed. And I think capacity gets limited in a lot of places for a rather extended or permanent time. Permanently, that would. Uh... I think it is. All right, I think it is an indefinite time of limited or non, no capacity until there is. Well, we need a vaccine, an antibody test, yeah. or a vaccine. Yeah, we need a vaccine. And it's I mean, there's antibody tests, too, which can be like you don't have it. But I, I think until a vaccine, we're not going to see any type of normal. That's my opinion. It sucks, it, like I'm saying, because sports, they're the best when you have sellout crowds, when you have that energy. It's just not the same when it's I going to be I was watching empty. some, like, for example, I was watching some of the uh, the UFC fight. And there was no, absolutely no fans in attendance. And it was just weird. It's like, it's weird <laughs> watching sports with nobody in the crowd. Even the Korean baseball, you watch a little bit of that. It's weird. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, there's no excitement. There's no enthusiasm. I mean, the players are excited, you know, whatnot. But, I mean, it's just tough to watch without any fans in attendance. For me, personally, it's uh, it's almost to a point where... Uh, it's hard to watch sports. I mean, if you have fans in the limited capacity, that'd be fine. But for me, watching sports without any fans is not that enjoyable. Yeah. So it's a big question mark. We've definitely talked about this a lot on our Before the Buzzer episodes, and I guess we're going to continue to talk about it because we don't know when this is going to end. So we'll figure it out. But... I think that's going to do it for our show today, and it was great. We talked about a lot of things. Thank you guys for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Tim Tebow got more airtime than I think any of us ever thought, but, you know, this was fun. <laughs> um, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe same place, probably different time next week because we're bad with coordinating, but thanks for having us. <laughs> No problem. Hey, you guys are always welcome. Maybe we'll do next week again. Anyway, this has been Before the Buzzer. For Matt Bruton, Jacob Kronberg, this is Nick Hudock saying so long, and we'll see you next time.